Mama, we're all full of lies Mama, we're meant for the flies And right now they're building a coffin your size Mama, we're all full of lies Chapter 13 We left. We demorphed in the stairwell and climbed the stairs the hard way. As soon as we reached the roof, Tobias took to the air to catch a look around. Four helicopters on the way, he reported. They'll be here in five minutes. Visser 1 will have a bunch of Visser 3's Horkabajir down on her before she knows it. Let's get wings, I suggested to Axe. Moments later, we all three took to the air. It was hard flying. No updrafts, no thermals at night. Just dead air you have to flap your way through like a bat. We flew through the tall concrete and steel forest. Here and there, a single light, or the lights of an entire floor burned. I saw cleaning people pushing wheeled trash cans and vacuums. One light illuminated a floor full of tired-looking men and women eating pizza and standing around some kind of chart. It's strange, but flying near tall buildings always makes you feel like you're higher up. You notice the altitude, I guess, when you realize you're flying past the 40th floor or whatever. No one said anything till we were clear. The clatter of helicopters was loud behind us. I was confident that Visitor 3's troops would find an empty room. Well, Marco, you just agreed to betray Jarahami, Toby, the entire Horkbisher colony. You'd better have a plan. I do. Gonna tell us about it? We're going to take them both down. Visitors 1 and 3, I said. They want to kill each other. We'll help them. I could sense Tobias's hesitation. You're setting up your mom? No, I'm setting up Visser 1. Marco, she's... Shut up, Tobias! I snapped. Okay, I know all about it. You guys don't think I'll do it? Well, here's a newsflash. I'll do it. Me. Not any of you. Me. My plan, okay? You don't have to prove anything, dude, Tobias said. It's not about proving anything. It's about winning this stupid war. We must speak with Prince Jake, of course. Inform him of what we have learned. Obtain his approval of your plan. Axe, of course. It's the middle of the night. We can't get to Jake right now. Not with Tom home. We'll talk to Jake tomorrow. Right now, we act. Tobias shifted his wings, moving slightly away. I swear, I've never met anyone who could express disapproval the way Tobias can. But at the moment, I didn't care what Tobias thought. Taking control. Doing would help me from dwelling on it, from falling apart. I knew Tobias and Axe were doubtful. I knew they didn't entirely trust me. They thought I was playing a double game. But they were wrong. I had seen the way to destroy both visitors. I had seen it in all its perfection. People don't understand the word ruthless. They think it means mean. 
It's not about being mean. It's about seeing the bright, clear line that leads from A to B. The line that goes from motive to means, beginning to end. It's about seeing that bright, clear line and not caring about anything but the beautiful fact that you can see the solution. Not caring about anything else but the perfection of it. That's what had happened. I saw the way to take both viscers down. And that's all that mattered. But I wasn't going to explain all that. Other people's pity just messes with the straight line. Other people's pity makes you think things you can't think about when you are seeing the line. Look, we're going to need to acquire an animal native to mountaintops. But I'm not a zoologist. So, we go see Cassie. It's the middle of the night where Cassie lives, too, Tobias said. Yeah, but she doesn't have a controller in the house with her, I said. We do not know that for certain, Axe pointed out. If you guys want to bail, fine. I can do this alone. A bluff. I knew they'd hang with me. Tobias had no choice. He could either try and stop me forcefully, or go along. You're a jerk, Marco, Tobias said. Yeah, I love you too, I said. Chapter 14 The night was peaceful as we flew. I knew in my heart that four chopper loads of hork had burst into an empty office and found no one. Knew it. I don't believe in destiny, but I felt destiny this time. We would meet, Visser 1 and I. We would meet on a mountaintop. And I would end it all there. Only a few stars shone high in the sky through the thinning clouds. We flew closer together than we ordinarily would during the day, when the sight of three birds of prey grouped together in the sky would attract unwanted attention. We flew from downtown to uptown, across the neighborhood where Jake and I and Rachel live, out past more suburbs, and into the almost country where Cassie's family has their home and the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center. We landed in a large leafy tree whose branches gently scraped Cassie's bedroom window. Tobias moved close, walking the comical sideways birdwalk, like a parrot in its cage. He tapped on the window with his beak. She's not moving. He said. Is she in there? I asked. No, it's after midnight, so naturally she's out in the yard playing hacky sack. Tobias snipped. He was ticked at having control taken from him. Hacky sack? I said. Hacky sack? Axe echoed. Everyone shut up! Tobias said in exasperation. Tap louder. Gee, do you think, Marco? Nothing. Must be dreaming about... The glass shattered. It fell in a shower of glittering shards. Oops. Jake? Cassie bolted upright in bed. Aw, isn't that sweet? I said so Cassie could hear. Her first thought is Jake. Makes you wonder what kind of dreams she was having. Cassie, it's us, Tobias said. Sorry about the glass. I'm going to have to explain this, you know, Cassie said, rubbing the sleep out of her eyes. Then, belatedly, she snatched modestly at the neck of her sleep shirt. Just say a bird hit the window, 
Axe suggested. You would not be lying. That would be a change from the routine, Cassie muttered. What are you guys doing? Checking out, babes, I suggested. Marco, what are you all doing here? What happened tonight? Is anyone hurt? We are unhurt, Axe said. We need a good morph for traveling in the mountains, I said. Something that can climb. Something with some size, if possible. Some ability to inflict punishment. You better not have woken me up and broken my window to... Kind of a tick-tock situation here, I interrupted. Cassie looked doubtfully at Tobias, then Axe. Marco has a plan, Tobias said dryly. Jake? Cassie, just help us, okay? I said. She sucked in a deep breath. Okay, mountain goat. Good, a goat from the garden's petting zoo. What could be easier to acquire? Not that kind of goat, Marco. Cassie shook her head. A mountain goat. Sharp horns, amazing agility, a hind leg kick that could send a person through a barn wall. Those guys can weigh almost 300 pounds. Fine, fine, I said. Where do we get one? Cassie hesitated. Is he okay? She asked Tobias, referring to me. Seems to be. Tobias, this is a stressful situation for Marco. Jake put you in charge. If Marco is... Hey! Hey! Am I invisible? I'm here, okay? Okay, then. I'll ask you. Are you okay, Marco? You seem kind of... jazzed. Manic. I said a harsh word. Then... Everyone stop acting like I'm some kind of dimwit. I know what I'm doing. I don't need a bunch of psychoanalysis here. This isn't Oprah. Cassie bit her lip thoughtfully. She got a distracted look in her eyes. I realized she was listening to Tobias or Axe, or both, communicating in private thought speak. I don't know what they told her, but I saw that flicker of emotion in her eyes. Pity. Well, she said at last, the gardens has a newish mountainside habitat. It's open air, so you shouldn't have any trouble getting in after hours. Or getting near the goats. I launched from the windowsill. Neither Axe nor Tobias spoke to me as we traveled. Maybe they were privately ripping me apart. I didn't care. I saw the bright, clear line. Chapter 15 The Gardens Kickbutt Amusement Park meets Zoo. Very expensive admission price. If you go through the gate. I spotted the darkened Ferris wheel ahead, and my favorite, the snaking, sloping roller coaster in the amusement park section of the gardens. A moment later, flying over the zoo, I saw what had to be the mountainside habitat Cassie told us about. A rolling, grassy plain. A stream meandering across the north end. And in the middle of the plain, an imposing, incredibly steep stone and concrete mountain, full of shallow caves and terraces. The habitat itself was surrounded by a high mesh fence, on top of which we landed. I could make out the dim, humped shapes of several goats just inside the largest of the shallow caves. They were sitting on the ground in a cluster. Several more goats stood motionless, staring back at the three birds staring at them. Interesting, Axe observed. Bearded, white-coated creatures with hooves and horns. Grazers, 
I would point out the similarities between the mountain goat and Andalites, except for my extremely disappointing experience with the cow. I think mountain goats might be a bit more intelligent than cattle, Axe, I said. And a bit more aggressive. These guys look like they mean business. Look at the shoulders on the one staring at me, Tobias said nervously. He's like a linebacker or something. Yes, acquiring one might be quite a challenge, Axe observed. Perhaps we should choose one that is asleep. Good idea. I lifted off and flew to a ledge outside a small cave. Tobias and Axe followed. I'd seen one large shape inside. Yup, a big mountain goat, asleep. Male? I couldn't tell. All of the goats had black horns and beards, though I figured some had to be female. Axe and I demorphed quietly a few feet away. The fake mountain hadn't looked like all that much when we were birds. As a human, though, the ground looked a long way down. I swayed and grabbed some rock. Then I began to crawl over toward the massive, shaggy white beast. What if he wakes up? I said. This is your little picnic. You tell me. Tobias sniped. I sighed. Tobias, look. Get off my back, okay? I know you're thinking Jake will blame you if this all goes bad. But we need to just get along here, okay? Tobias laughed. Okay. I'm done pouting. Unless we end up getting kicked cross-country by these big goats. Then I'll pout plenty. I stepped closer. Dumb to be scared of a goat. All the animals I'd been near. All the animals I'd been. And I was worried by a goat? I placed my hand on its side. It looked at me. Please don't shove your horns into my kidneys, I said pleasantly. It stirred. I wanted to pull back, but that would have been the wrong move. My hand touched rough fur. I focused. I needed to begin acquiring this big boy right now. The goat seemed about ready to spring up and bump me into the next dimension. But then it settled down as the acquiring trance took hold. Axe clopped forward, and when I withdrew my hand, he laid his own on the goat. Tobias was last. Come on, you guys, he said when he'd hopped off the back of the sleeping goat. Morph, and let's get out of here before it wakes up. Uh, don't look now, but I think we have another problem. On the ledge stood Mr. Mountain Goat's homeboys, and they didn't look happy to see us. Uh-oh, I said. It took the goats approximately two seconds to cover about a hundred feet of ledges, boulders, gullies, and curves. I turned. I ran. Tobias fluttered away to safety. Axe leapt nimbly away. Me? I got goat horn in the butt. I flew. Ah! Later, I read that male mountain goats enjoy butting each other with their horns. In each other's butts. And let me just say that unless you have been butted down a 15-foot high cliff by a 250-pound angry male mountain goat, you have not experienced true humiliation. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, here we go. Uh, getting into the thick of it now. Marco's got a plan, and let's see how that plays out. In the meantime, uh, I got some messages to read. Uh, the first one coming in, first 
three, actually, coming in from the Tumblr. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Uh, the first one is Edney, who writes in saying, On episode 334, uh, which was last week's, thank you for providing the date. I appreciate uh, you doing that. Uh, and it was great. Uh, Marco, Marco's main point is to keep his mom alive, but he knows he'll have to make the right, uh, and then like in brackets, a frowny face, decision. I definitely understand where Axe and Tobias are coming from, though. It's about the greater good, but to most 12-year-olds, that really pales next to their family. Also, on Marco knocking off that wig, I would have burned that shit in like a crying face. Uh, and then, yeah, thank you so much uh, for writing in, Adney. Uh, yeah, I, I think that I wish they had done more, like, family controller stuff, because I think it's so compelling. It's so interesting. Like, they have Tom. I, I wish we had more of Jake and Tom's dynamic, to be honest, in this series. Um, I'm, I'm glad we get to revisit Marco's mom through a number of books. Because, um, yeah, it's like, <laughs> that's that's an automatically um, interesting scenario, because you have two, like, innately obvious, conflicting moral uh and emotional needs from your character because that's his mom that he thought was dead and now she's back and that's his mom you know and he loves her but that's also viscer one that's the enemy commander um and that really kind of highlights like uh what makes the yurks like a fun villain uh in a series right because like you're fighting them but you're also fighting the people you know and love and that's like whoa <laughs> um thank you for writing entity I also have one from uh, Wild K that says, Listening to the last 12 minutes of episode 334, to the guy you responded to, how are you listening to a series about the horrors of war and not getting it? Anyways, love the music choices. Really seeing the ruthless, uh, the ruthless in Marco. Your reading of each of them is so fucking good. You've been doing great. I'm glad to be here listening. Thanks so much. I'm glad you think my readings are good. Um, you know, just trying my best out here. <laughs> um... And and thank you for uh I, I guess also the support on on the 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 goofy Zionist that wrote in. Um yeah, it's it's funny because like every week I come back and it's worse and you really just if you had eyes you could see that. Like it's it's horrific. Um but moving on, um well, I also got one from uh Briar that says uh I just wanna let you know that I support you and appreciate you using your voice and not mincing words. People are more likely to send a message when they're upset, so I don't know if you're getting more of those, but I wanted to make sure it wasn't all of them. Also, if I already sent a message, I'm sorry, I meant to before, but I don't think I did. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate that. I'm, to be honest, not that popular. Uh, <laughs> I, I think there's maybe like between two and 500 of you guys. I don't really know how to interpret metrics. Um... But based on my download numbers, there's maybe that many of you guys listening. Um, and so it's a small corner of the internet. I'm not really getting inundated in uh, anything, really. Um, but I appreciate the concern. Uh, we're, we're all good over here. Uh, and uh, <laughs> to follow up all of those, I also got one on Gmail. That's audiomorphscast uh, at gmail.com. Uh, from Audi, who I uh, had to... <laughs> you referenced your last message and... You know, we've gotten a lot of messages in the past few weeks, so it, it I had to look it up to see what you're referring to. You were, for for anyone else who don't, doesn't remember, Audie was the one who wrote in initially about Megamorphs 3, um, talking about Hitler um, and uh, all of that, and, you know, the, the Napoleonic Wars and all of that, being a bit of a history buff, I believe. Um, 
And I mentioned in response uh, a little offhandedly uh, about uh, if you wanted to know what you were what you would do um, if a genocide were happening while you were alive, you're finding out because it's happening in Palestine, and that's what set off all those messages that we've uh, I've had to respond to. Well, I didn't have to respond to, but you know that I did respond to over the past like two weeks, three weeks or so. Um, but anyway, let's get into this message <laughs> titled, well, that was explosive. I agree, Audie. Uh, hello, Daniel. Audie back here again. I got cut off with your podcast. Been pretty busy, re- <laughs> been pretty busy recently, and I've been doing a lot of ruck marching and working out. I don't know what ruck marching is. Um, so write in and let me know what that is. Uh, goodness, I did not realize that my message would cause such a political discourse, and I would like to sincerely apologize for any extra stress and problems that my message indirectly caused. You're good, Audie. Don't worry about it. Although I will say I've learned a good bit of listening to you, and you have inspired me to do my own research, even found a free online version of that book you were quoting, uh, and will probably start reading it sometime this week, since I'll actually have some downtime after I pull the transmission from my car. I love history and moral philosophy books. Starship Troopers is one of my favorite books, so I think I'll enjoy it, even if I disagree with some uh, with it in some areas. That book, uh, to remind everyone again, is Orientalism by Edward Said. Great read. Um, now for my own way in on the Israeli-Palestine issue, even though we are likely on opposite ends of the political spectrum, I actually mostly agree with you. But it wasn't always like that. Right at the beginning, I was about as Zionist as the guy in your most recent message. But then I started to become skeptical of the, quote, massacre about a month after the initial attack. The Israeli Mossad is supposed to be the most effective intelligence agency in the world. How did the most effective intelligence force in the world not predict an attack from what was essentially a bunch of insurgents? And then he puts in parentheses, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. Um, and fair enough, they are in, uh, could be defined as insurgents. Yeah, I agree, it doesn't have to be derogatory. Um, also, there were reports that came out from the IDF Border Patrol that they saw suspicious activity, such as glider and rifle training, and when they told High Command, they essentially told them to shut up. Also, Prime Minister Nat- uh, Netanyahu actually funded Hamas in order to make Palestine look more extreme than it actually was in order to convince the UN that Palestine was a dangerous country so that they had an excuse to take Gaza. Uh, that's true. You can look that up. Um, this was back when the Palestinian Liberation Front was um, a major actor back in the 90s, I believe. Um, and uh, Netanyahu argued for the funding of Hamas because Hamas was a more extremist uh, group. Uh, within uh, Palestine. And so if they were to great, uh, gain a greater uh, sphere of influence within the region and push out the PLF, then you're dealing with uh, something that you can present as more dangerous. Um, and not an uncommon tactic. America's used this tactic plenty. Um, America loves to fund a religious extremist group and train them and arm them in order to disrupt political rivals in the area uh, this was America in Afghanistan uh, with the Mujahideen, which eventually evolved into um, the Taliban. Uh, that was uh, the Soviets were in Afghanistan, so the CIA gave a bunch of guns and training to um, a right-wing extremist group um, in order to destabilize the area. This is, um, and as we know, the IDF trains extensively uh, with uh, American forces. There you go. Anyway, uh, to finish this message. Uh, so, with all of this, you have to wonder, saying the quiet part out loud here, did Netanyahu stage this attack in order to gain an excuse to attack Palestine? Call me a crazy conspiracy theorist, but the facts are there. One more thing, all the troops in the area were on holiday, 
seems rather stupid to do for a country that's supposedly always under threat from attacks by other nations. Anyway, on a more light note, I think another good example where people start to empathize with the main villain is Songbirds and Snakes from Snow's Experience, or Snow's Perspective. That's the Hunger Games prequel for um, those not in the know. <laughs> Uh, thanks, Daniel, for being willing to talk about these tough issues and actually giving well-reasoned arguments instead of just yelling at people. Have a blessed week. P.S. On a completely random, not, uh, completely random note, peanut butter mixed with honey nut Cheerios is a really good snack. Signed your friend, Audie Murphy. Uh, cool tip on the Cheerios. Uh, and, uh, to, to answer the last part, your, your, uh, conspiracy theory about, um, the October 7th attacks. Uh, I think it falls in line very sim. Ironically enough, right? Um, early on, Israel was trying to frame this as their person, their own personal 9/11. And the thing with 9/11 is, I mean, obviously you've heard the almost meme at this point. Bush did 9/11. Um, I think more realistically, it is probably likely that um, American intelligence agencies were aware of the potential for. Uh, an attack using an airplane um, and just chose not to act uh, to uh, eliminate that vulnerability. Um, I don't think that like Bush, the same way I don't think Netanyahu personally orchestrated the attack, but I do agree that it is quite possible that uh, he had not concrete knowledge, but um, intelligence that a possible attack was uh, imminent and chose not to act because it furthered his political goals. Um, I think that America needed to get into Iraq back in 2001, um, and Net uh, Netanyahu need to, need to get into Gaza in 2024, um, or 2023, I should say. Um, I do though want to, uh, you, you say that, uh, Mossad is supposedly one of the top, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I, I want to, also point out that actually a lot of those kind of statements are state propaganda and you know certainly america uh engages in this as well we they want you to think that our police are highly trained and our military is super you know this and that and that our intelligence agencies know you know the nsa is always listening and the fact of the matter is uh they're a lot more incompetent than you'd think but they contain overwhelming might and so uh they can still get away with it you know um, so those are my thoughts on that. Um, also, uh, as we're finding out, uh, currently, uh, the amount of, uh, lies that, that circulated around October 7th, uh, the New York Times is currently embroiled in a huge scandal where, uh, they hired a former IDF intelligence officer to write an article on October 7th attack, uh, in which that person, uh, not Schwartz, went to every major hospital uh, in the area trying to confirm any instances of sexual assault. Couldn't find any. And then the New York Times and uh, her, as well as her co-writer, uh, published an article claiming mass rape anyway. Just an up and down, full fabrication uh, with no backing. And that was a lot of justification used uh, for the uh, brutality against Palestine, right? Uh, I'm just saying, I, sorry, I was going to connect that somewhere back to what Audie was saying. Um, I've lost it, but, um, oh, the last thing I want to say is that, um, certainly if, 
as I've mentioned plenty before, I'm, I'm extremely left wing, but certainly if you're not left wing, um, I don't think it is a failing to have not understood what Zionism is and understood the implications of um, Israel as a settler colonial state uh, because, well, one, your politics um, in some ways align with that, I'm sorry to say. Um, and two, uh, there's a mass propaganda movement co coming back to the New York Times. There's a mass propaganda movement uh, and has been since the foundation of Israel um, to justify Israel's existence within the Western Hemisphere um, and, and gain popular support among citizens in the West. Because as we're seeing, if um, Israel can't function without the support of the West and we're seeing increasingly people waking up to that fact. Um, so... Honestly and sincerely, Adi, uh, good for you for not dogmatically adhering to um, preset beliefs and being able to see even, you know, uh, we can set aside things like, is colonialism bad? I think so very strongly, but I understand maybe you don't. You know, we, again, have a lot of political differences, but you can see as a human being that one side with a bunch of high tech weapons shooting babies, probably the bad guys. I, I really don't think, at, especially at this point, I don't think it's hard to be on the right side of history, everyone. Uh, I suggest you get you get on the right side if you haven't been yet, because it's horrific out there. Truly, truly, we need to push for uh, a permanent ceasefire. Uh, we need to push for the liberation of Palestine. Uh, we need to push for the dissolution of the state of Israel, because this state's uh, soaked in blood. Um, and... Biden and the American government, their hands are in it. Uh, you won't catch me voting for Biden next year. Um, I'm not voting for Trump either, but I won't vote for a man that uh, actively helped uh, murder babies. Uh, that's that's my moral line. I don't know. I'm not crossing it. <laughs> um, one last message. Um, sorry, two, two more messages. These are not political, so... Uh, <laughs> We can lighten the mood before we end. One from uh, Gabby saying, not try to one-up anyone, but I've actually been a listener for over four years now. I genuinely tune in weekly. That means at least 200 times where I couldn't binge episodes back to back. I'm with it till the end, though, signed Gabby. I'm not quite sure what that was in response to, but um, shout out you, Gabby, for being a long-time listener. How long have I been doing this? I've been doing this since, like, 2017. Oh, you're going to find out how bad I am at math right now. Uh, that's seven years. So four, that's... Over half. Um, shout out. Honestly, shout out anyone that's been listening for an extended amount of time. If you're hanging out and getting the weekly updates, uh, you guys rock. That's very cool. It's something I never truly expected when I started this. Uh, one last message from Monica that says, Hello, I just found your, podca or your podcast on Spotify, and it's a lifesaver. I read Animorphs, uh, I read Animorphs obsessively growing up, and I couldn't think of anything better to listen to while I tackle a mountain of chores. We found mice. Clean the whole house. The whole house is a lot. So much stress. But I'm happy to have found the podcast. So I just wanted to say thank you. Best regards, Monica. Uh, I'm glad you're enjoying it here, Monica. Uh, I hope you stay. And I'm so sorry that you have mice. Uh, my last apartment had mice. It's not a fun time. It's very uh, resource intensive, both in time and money to deal with that. And I wish you all the best. And I hope you get them all because, ooh. I did not have a good night's sleep for months uh, when that was happening. Um, it's rough. If, you, if you've ever, if you've never had to experience a mouse or rat infestation, uh, you're very lucky. 
All right, that's all I've got for this week uh, as far as messages. Um, I've mentioned two other ways you can men- you can contact me. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com and audiomorphscast at gmail.com. You can also do it through my website. That's theapodclips.com. The Apodclips, like apocalypse with a D in the middle. And you can also tweet at me, at audiomorphs, if you'd like. And that's where you should check if I'm ever late uploading. Uh, I'll probably have a reason up there. Um, that's all I have this week, I think. So thank you all for listening, and we will get back to Marco and his plan next week. My name is Daniel, and believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>